0: This is The Guardian.
1: I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wadundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story.
2: Right to go? Well, we're here today to launch the Defence Strategic Review.
1: Australia's Defence Force has been found unfit for
0: purpose,
2: We confront the most challenging strategic circumstances since the Second World War, both in our region and, indeed, around the world.
1: This week, the Albanese government announced a $19 billion overhaul of Australia's defence strategy. It's the most significant change to defence policy in 50 years, and aims to confront radically different security concerns in the Indo-Pacific region, including cyber warfare, long-range missiles and climate change.
2: We cannot fall back on old assumptions. We must build and strengthen our security by seeking to shape the future rather than waiting for the future to shape us.
1: So what does the future of the Defence Force look like? And will this plan make Australia safer? Today. Foreign Affairs and Defense Correspondent Daniel Hurst on the changing demands of modern warfare. It's Wednesday, the 26th of April.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now get fifteen percent off your first order at borough.com slash acast. That's fifteen percent off at borough.com slash acast.
2: Tomorrow, of course,
0: we will commemorate through
2: Anzac Day all those men and women who serve in uniform to defend our nation, to defend our sovereignty. And our freedom.
1: So, Dan, the Albanese government released a review into the Australian Defence Force a day before Anzac Day, and it ordered that review just 73 days after it took office last year. Why is this happening now?
3: It is a bit of a strange time to release it, I would say, but they did say that they would release it before the budget, and that's in the next couple of weeks. But I remember last year on Anzac Day, Peter Dutton, who was then Defence Minister, said that the best way to preserve peace is to prepare for war, which seemed like a fairly provocative statement to make on Anzac Day. But if you actually look at what this government is doing as well, it's the same rationale, If even if they don't use the same words, they're saying that the ADF needs to be stronger in order to deter conflict.
2: We also honour those men and women who serve us today, and we also through this review, are planning for tomorrow and the future.
1: Right. So let's get into what the review has recommended. First of all, it says that the ADF is currently not fully fit for purpose. Why is that?
3: Yeah, well, the review that was released on Monday suggested that it was structured for a bygone era. So in the post-Cold War, towards the end of the Cold War, and even after that, the Australian Defence Force was really set up to be able to respond to small and medium-sized crises in the immediate region. Of course, it didn't stop the ADF from going to Iraq or Afghanistan, but this review suggests that the times demand a big change in the way the ADF is set up. I understand um, that we will cross now to Canberra with the Defence Minister, Richard Miles. So today,
2: for the first time... In 35 years, we are recasting
3: the mission of the Australian Defence Force, which will have five elements to it. The review itself suggests that there are five things that it should be capable of doing. And of course, that includes the standard thing that that it should always be focused on, which is being able to defend the Australian continent if there were to be some sort of invasion. Um, But it doesn't... The review doesn't say that that's a huge risk. It spells out all these other tasks that include contributing to regional security and working with partners to uphold norms across the region.
1: So as the world changes, what does the strategic review say it now regards as the biggest threat to Australia?
3: So... Australia is now more economically connected. We have a lot of trade routes that, you know, have built over the last uh, few decades. And it points to economic vulnerability. It points to trade being a vulnerability at sea. It points to coercion being a risk. It points to cyber warfare being something that can be happened without anyone ever setting foot on the Australian mainland. And it also suggests that with countries across the region having longer-range missiles, that that has also changed our vulnerabilities. So we can no longer rely on our geography alone as a sort of source of comfort, it suggests.
1: So how much is this strategic review about China, do you think, Dan?
3: I think a lot of it is about China because even in the public uh, version of the document, China is mentioned several times and it raises concerns about China's activities in the region. And what we don't know is what's in the classified version of the report. There have been media reports that there are a bunch of scenarios in that classified report about potential conflicts, but we don't actually know that. But on Monday... In
1: a scenario like that in our Indo-Pacific region, what of the recommendations here changes any possible Australian response to that eventuality if it were to occur?
2: Well, our position is clear, which is we support the status quo.
3: Anthony Albanese didn't respond directly to how Australia would respond to a scenario involving a war over Taiwan. He just said that Australia's position hadn't changed. Uh, We call for a peaceful resolution through dialogue. Uh,
2: That's not changed by this.
1: Mm. And how has Beijing responded to the defence strategic review so far?
3: So the Chinese government has responded fairly cautiously at first. In Beijing on Monday, the foreign ministry spokesperson responded by saying that China wants to preserve peace and stability in the Asia-Pacific and that it hopes that countries, relevant countries, that means Australia, don't hype up the so-called China threat narrative. But that was it, which suggests, uh, as we've spoken in the past, that perhaps the Chinese government has already factored in things like AUKUS and the broad thrust of Australia's defence policies when it opened the door to dialogue again last year.
1: Well, Dan, this review is coming at an important time in the economic relationship between China and Australia. How will these changes to Australia's defence strategy affect our trade relationship with China?
3: Well, I think that both China and Australia have gone into this return to dialogue with their eyes wide open about what is and isn't realistic. So the Australian government has never talked about this being a reset as such. They've talked about it being stabilising the relationship. In other words, learning to agree to disagree better and trying to take off some of those harder edges and lower the volume. China as well, I think, understood that Australia wasn't going to walk away from its alliance with the US and so forth. So there will continue to be issues in the relationship, but they're both looking for a way to manage those more cautiously.
1: Hello and welcome to the National Press Club of Australia for today's West Park Address. Please welcome Penny Wong.
3: Now, Penny Wong was at the National Press Club last week, the Foreign Affairs Minister, and suggested that...
0: How things were under Mr Howard, where you could have your strategic relationship with the United States and your economic relationship with China and and the world stayed separate. We don't live in that sort of world anymore.
3: We can't imagine we can go back to the type of situation under the Howard government where the economic relationship was uh, neatly separated from the broader strategic relationship.
0: I think both countries know we are not going to go back to where we were 15 years ago.
3: And that means that the Australian government is still urging Australian exporters not to be too reliant on one market, meaning China, that that they should continue to diversify to other markets, that they're trying to find a way to resolve longstanding disputes such as tariffs on Australian barley, and there is some sign of progress on that. And the Australian Trade Minister, Don Farrell, is still expected to travel to Beijing sometime in the next few weeks, Uh, but that doesn't mean that everything is fixed.
1: Next. What will a revamped Australian Defence Force look like?
2: Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
1: Given all of the instability in the region and that as it stands, the Australian Defence Force is, quote, not fit for purpose, what practical changes to the military has this review recommended?
3: Well, it's probably worth thinking about it all under the banner of projecting Australia's military power further from Australia's shores
2: Today, the government is announcing that we will be focusing on six
3: initial priorities. So that includes things like?
2: A nuclear-powered submarine capability, and we made significant announcements about that uh,
3: last month. Developing the ADF's ability to precisely strike targets at longer range. Longer-range strike capability for our Defence Force,
2: including through the manufacturing of munitions in Australia.
3: The government also says it wants to
2: better enable the Australian Defence Force to operate out of
0: our northern
3: bases. The review found that a bunch of bases in the north of Australia needed to be effectively hardened, to be strengthened and to have some infrastructure work on them.
2: At its core, all of this is making Australia more self-reliant, more prepared and more secure in the years ahead.
1: Anthony Albanese, in announcing the government's response to the review, stressed that Australia needed to be self-reliant. What did he mean by that?
3: So he means a sort of shift towards more self-reliance. It certainly doesn't mean we can just stand on our own two feet that we'll continue to rely on allies and partners. But it's it sort of relates partly to changes within the region about the US no longer being the undisputed sort of unipolar (laughs) leader in in our region. China has obviously grown to be much stronger than it was in the past, and it also means more domestic manufacturing, uh, really sort of fits in with Albanese's broader push to make things in Australia. Of course, we did just sign the AUKUS agreement, which relies on a whole bunch of US and UK technological expertise and assistance, so it doesn't mean we're going to be entirely self-reliant.
1: Well, what does that tell us about how our relationship with the US is changing now? It sounds, seems quite complicated.
3: It, it is. I mean, it, the Australian government continues to see the US as our top security ally and something that will continue to be the case. But it's, it's fair to say that the four years of the Donald Trump presidency, where the US sort of in, in, at times openly bashed or openly ridiculed its allies, gave people pause for thought, in Canberra, So Australia will continue to rely on the US in some respects, but it also wants to increase its own defence spending and show that it's a capable partner within the region. So there's no suggestion that Australia could be, in effect, freeloading, which was the accusation Donald Trump made of Japan and South Korea. You mentioned uh, the need for greater self-reliance and you also said not that we can't just rely on old assumptions. Uh, I did ask Anthony Albanese about this at the press conference on Monday. What is your assessment of in the decades ahead, the US's reliability as an ally and whether there's any risk of isolationism growing in the decades ahead. The US remains
2: an important ally.
3: And he really didn't want to go into great detail just other than to reaffirm the alliance. It's a relationship between nations, sort of relationship between
2: peoples, and it's based upon our common values.
1: Dan, the Albanese government does acknowledge that the climate crisis is a national security threat. What does the review say is going to be the ADF's role in responding to the rise in climate disasters?
3: Yes, the review actually lays out very clearly and starkly how the climate crisis will create problems for our national security. It says climate change will increase the demand on the ADF to respond to disasters at home and abroad and it also says if climate change accelerates over the coming decades it has the potential to significantly increase risks in our region it could lead to mass migration increased demands for peacekeeping and peace enforcement and conflicts within and between countries so it really spells out the range of of impacts of climate change now when it comes to the ADF it focuses on how the Defence Force isn't really equipped to be responding to a whole bunch of disasters at home and abroad and that that affects its readiness to focus on the core task of being able to defend Australia. So the government has agreed to work with the states and territories to see how they can make sure that there are ways to respond to disasters without the need to rely on ADF support, except in the most extreme emergencies.
1: Okay, so the total projected spend to implement the recommendations of this strategic review is $19 billion over four years, which includes the $9 billion that's being spent on the AUKUS submarine deal. How is the government going to pay for this?
3: It is a lot. It sounds like a large sum, and it is, but it's mostly by shuffling things around. So in actual fact, in the first four-year budget period, the government says that this $19 billion is fully offset, either by existing budget allocations to defence or by cancelling or scaling back a number of projects. The most obvious one of those is dramatically slashing plans to buy infantry fighting vehicles for the army, which is a bit of a contentious decision. But defence spending will grow overall. The trajectory is only up. (laughs) Uh, But within the first four years, there's some changing around of priorities. And then in the longer term, the government will have to find more money.
1: What has the coalition had to say about this review in that sense?
3: Well, the coalition has been critical of the government. Andrew Hastie, who's the shadow defence minister, said Australians have every right to feel let down. So basically, the coalition's criticism is that they're not spending enough. The Greens, on the other hand, have criticised the spending from a different direction the Greens' Defence spokesperson, David Shoebridge, said that the Defence Review has Australia spending countless billions on projecting lethal force into the South China Sea, and he says that's apparently to keep us safe but fails to explain how our key national interests are served by us going to war in the South China Sea. The government would say, however, that it doesn't want to go to war, it wants to deter actions that would lead to war.
1: We're now weeks away from the federal budget. Is there a political danger for Labor in spending so much money on defence while so many Australians are struggling during the cost of living crisis?
3: Well, budgets are about priorities. And if you're spending huge amounts on defence, that means you can't spend money on other things. So in that sense, there is a risk. The difficulty for the Treasurer making all these numbers add up is that the Coalition's also criticising any suggestions that the government might do revenue measures, so scaling back tax concessions. So it is a difficult task to make the numbers add up. But uh, the government does actually have a fair bit of political cover, it must be said, to spend more money on defence. The coalition is saying to spend more on defence, and most of the media also would be more likely to criticise cuts to defence than increases to defence spending. So we shouldn't ignore that factor either.
1: Dan, these sound like pretty significant changes that Australia is planning to make to its defence force. How does this plan reflect the changing role Australia is playing in the Indo Pacific region?
3: When you look at US and China competition, the increasing tensions. Australia is a relatively small player in that picture, so we can only play a a certain smaller role. But this review certainly shows the government intends to have an ADF that is a bit more forward-leaning and a bit more involved in shaping the region that it wants to shape. And interestingly it also calls for increased spending on diplomacy. So in that sense, the military and diplomats are seeking to work together in shaping that region.
1: That was Daniel Hurst, Foreign Affairs and Defence Correspondent for Guardian Australia. You can read his reporting on the Defence Strategic Review at theguardian.com. I also recommend you check out his piece on how China's responded to Australia's criticism and his analysis on the ADF's new mission. It's called, The Defence Review Says Australia is at Little Risk of a Land Invasion, But That's Not Where the Threats End. We'll post a link to those articles on the full story page. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert, Joe Koning and myself. Sound design and mixing by Joe Koning, who also composed our theme music. The executive producers for this episode are Miles Martignoni and Hannah Parks. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.